And welcome to the Twins Wrap with Dick Bramer, the television voice of the Minnesota Twins. I am Derek Hansen. Jack Michaels also with us, the voice of the Red Hawks. And uh, Dick, boy, what a crazy game last night. I'm not sure what time you got home and got to bed, but 6-5 to five victory in 10 innings. That was fun. That was something else. And we were wondering how they were going to navigate through the bottom of the 10th inning there. Caleb Thielbar was the prior uh, was in the prior spot on the batting order, even though he didn't hit. But baseball rules allow, uh, under these circumstances, you can go one man deeper, would have been Mitch Garver. So the options were Mitch Garver uh, or a faster runner, and they pulled Kenta Maeda off the bench. It worked out great. But I think within all that, there's you know the growing sentiment that teams, not just the Twins, they're trying to win that game in 10 innings and not have it go to the 11th. And uh, so they put a, in their minds, faster runner out there. Uh, Kepler got the hit. It might not have mattered. I think uh, I could have scored from second base <laughs> on that base hit. So it all worked out uh, fine. It was uh, you know just so many subtle little things toward the end there with uh, you know Celestino inserted in the game to play center field, losing the designated hitter. But they wanted him out there instead of Ostadio, and wouldn't you know it, Celestino had to run to the gap and make a catch uh, in the top of the tenth. So it all worked out fine. I was watching. Uh, I got back uh, last night. I was watching this, and uh, I don't know if it was uh, you that mentioned this too, but I'm talking about Soto, the the Tigers pitcher that ends up getting tabbed with a loss. And you're right, Dick. I don't know if I've seen a guy so effortlessly. Touch three figures out of miles per hour. My goodness gracious, can he can he just nice and casually drop one ninety eight, ninety nine, a hundred? Yeah, I think Latroy Hawkins mentioned it, and uh, uh, he's obviously much more <laughs> tuned into uh, you know, pitching mechanics and all that. But uh, the problem is, uh, case in point, last night he had no idea where it was going. Now, if he throws it over the plate, that's great. But we saw in the late innings, uh, you know, really what's been an issue for the Tigers, although they are surprisingly good this year. But you, you, you're bringing in guys who throw upper 90s or, in Soto's case, 100 miles per hour. But we saw, a base, you know, the bases loaded with walks in the ninth, a couple of wild pitches. Uh, so, you know, again, and the irony is, you know, the Twins brought in Taylor Rogers, and he's been so good and so durable Perhaps his greatest strength is the fact he doesn't walk people, and then he had to leave with a finger injury. Mm. So uh, we'll see where the Twins are late in the ball games here uh, in the event they have to play without uh, Taylor for a while. Let me ask you a little bit about, uh, you know, we haven't talked since the Nelson Cruz uh, trade. Not a big surprise by any means, right? I mean, that was bound to happen, and who knows by the end of the week what's going to happen. Yeah, it's a tremendous loss because of his impact uh in the community, uh, in the clubhouse, on the field, and all that. But, you know, when we hear of these trades and potential trades, we always hear about who a team has given up. We don't know anything about the guys coming in. Now, people who study these things say the Twins did very well in in the trade in getting two top prospects, pitching prospects, out of the Rays organization. But we never, you know, most of us have never heard of these guys, right? And the best example, going back to 1987, the Tigers needed some help in their rotation. So they acquired Doyle Alexander. The Tigers would not have gotten into the playoffs to match up against the Twins in 1987 in the American League Championship Series without getting Doyle Alexander. They had to give up a Class A pitching prospect to get Alexander. 
Well, that Class A pitching prospect was John Smoltz, who, you know, back in 1991, almost pitched the Braves to a world championship and went on to be in the Hall of Fame. So you don't know much about what you're getting in return, but sometimes it works out better for the team trading the veteran than it does the team acquiring the veteran. All right, uh, we'll call you right back, Dick, as you're getting ready for the game tonight again. Uh, Dick Bramer, the television voice of the Minnesota Twins, the Twins and Tigers tonight, Game 2, after that exciting game last night. 6.30 is the pregame game show 710 the first pitch after the CBS World News Roundup and also KFGO News with Paul Jurgens. We'll chat more about the Twins including well that was news Nelson Cruz getting traded who else is going to get traded but also Byron Buxton churning down a contract extension. We'll talk about that and more coming up here. The Twins wrap again part two coming up here soon. Dan Michaels will wrap up the drive time news hour coming up. And welcome back to the Twins Wrap. Derek Hansen with you. Part two with Dick Bramer from the Minnesota Twins television crew, the play-by-play voice, and brought to you by Jefferson Lines. Uh, Dick, we got done talking about Nelson Cruz getting traded. The other big news this week was Byron Buxton uh, turning down a contract extension with the Twins. Yes, but there's nothing uh, linking the Buxton negotiations that got leaked by one party or the other. Uh, there's nothing about the Buxton negotiations that are in any way related to the trade deadline coming up on Friday, at least in my mind. You know, if the Twins had determined that, okay, we're not going to sign this guy, so we're going to blow it all up and, and start all over again, I don't think that's the case. Uh, I, I think they tried to get something done. Uh, to clarify that Byron wasn't on the market, I don't know that the Twins, you know, if they were to trade Buxton before the trading deadline, uh, they would not be getting full value for him because he's hurt. He's not going to play for a while. And there is no urgency to get rid of him now if the Twins determine, whether it's Barrios or Buxton in the off season, that they aren't going to be able to retain them. Well, then they would be uh, in the same situation Johan Santana was in you know, years ago, where if you can't sign the guy, then you need to trade him to get something back in return. But what you're trading is one year of Johan Santana, or if it gets to that Jose Barrios, Byron Buxton, one year of that player service because you have determined that you cannot resign that player. It's interesting. I mean, uh, these guys, you know, Barrios and Buxton are really looking like they want to bet on themselves. And I can understand with Brios more than Buxton, to be quite frank, because I don't, you know, unless he really is healthy the next year and change, there's not, I mean, he might be costing himself money. I mean, he's really betting on himself. Well, yeah, and it's always more dangerous for pitchers. Just look what happened to Taylor Rogers last night. Now, I don't know that Taylor's injury is anything serious, but that's the risk you take. Every time you step on the mound, you throw a pitch, the elbow could go, the shoulder could go, all of that, uh, you know, Play, uh, pitchers are so much more at risk of that than position players. And uh, so, you know, we'll have to wait and see how it plays out. Here's my guess. Uh, if I were a betting man, and I don't bet with my own money, I'm sure not going to bet with Mr. Polad. <laughs> uh, I'm guessing my bet is on that both Barrios and Buxton will re-sign with the Twins. What length, at what price, I don't know. I think the Twins front office realizes that in, in Byron's case, he's a once-in-a-generation player. When he's on the field, the Twins are automatically better. They have hopes, expectations 
of contending again next year. And to do that, they'll need to have Byron in the lineup if he can stay in the lineup. And they'll need to reconstruct the pitching staff, in my mind, around Barrios. There's a lot of work that needs to be done on the pitching side. There would be even more work to do on the pitching side if you traded Jose Barrios. Hey, Dick Bramer joining us today, talking Twins. Twins defeat the Tigers in ten last night. Back at it tonight. You know, on this topic too, and I think the the human nature of a of a fan now, and then we're all kind of fan. You know, we're fans first. And when all this talk comes up, there's such a a, a lean dick to say, oh. Nobody can see life after fill in the blank. You know, you lose you, you lose right. one of those things. There's just how is this going to go on life? Dick, you've been broadcasting for for a long time. Well, I'm sure even you have entertained the thought, like, well, how are they going to? How can you not? How can we not have him? And is there going to be life after? And inevitably, Dick, I think oftentimes you find out that there is in life, maybe in, well, a, in form of a different player or someone that rises faster than they thought. The best example I can give in my tenure with the Twins was Frank Viola, who was critical to the Twins winning the World Series in 1987, won the Cy Young Award the next. And the next year, the uh, Twins traded him to the Mets. There was a contract uh, impasse. There were hard feelings on both sides between uh, Andy McPhail, the general manager, and Frank Viola. So they felt like the best course of action would be to clear the air and trade Frank Viola to the Mets. And it was it was it wasn't heartbreaking, but it was really disappointing for somebody like me. I, I had gotten to know Frank. He was you know a contemporary of mine and was so critically important to the greatest year in professional sports in my lifetime in this region, 1987. Well, the Twins got five pitchers back, and three of them, David West, Kevin Tappany, Rick Aguilera, were critically important to the next world championship yep. in 1991. And so you, you, you know, once you go through something like that, you realize that we don't know. We didn't know anything about Kevin Tappany, for heaven's sakes. And he wasn't one of the big guys in the deal. But the Twins maybe don't win the World Series in 91 without him. So you have to wait a significant length of time sometimes to really assess you know, what a return was in a trade and who the trade actually benefited. Finding barrels might be the story of the Twins in recent games, Dick. Every time I tune in, one's going 430, 436, 447. Twins have found some barrels here in the last few days, haven't they? Yeah, they didn't help Homer at all Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. Got a couple on Sunday, uh, including Rooker's uh, third deck shot. Then he hit another one last night. Donaldson uh, hit one to the second deck and pretty much straightaway center field. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, this this team, I think what we've seen really since the All-Star break and before the Nelson Cruz trade, they're, they're, they're trying to change their identity. We've seen much, much more aggressive base running. My goodness, Miguel Sano stole third the other day. He was thrown out trying to steal second uh, last night. And Mitch Garber got thrown out trying to steal. So I think the Twins are, are trying to you know expand the playbook, if you will, a little bit and trying to score runs knowing that they won't have you know Nelly Cruz's 40 home runs to lean on. It is, it's fun to, to watch and, and at the expense of probably not having. Dick, last, a few weeks ago we talked about how many outfielders the Minnesota Twins have, have gone through this year. But, but also just, to, just you know, Rooker now is a name that Twins fans recognize. Yeah, yeah. You know, Larnick, uh, Kirloff, but, but down. But we're starting to recognize some of these next wave players, right, Dick? 
Yeah, and that's, uh, I guess, the silver lining this year. Trevor Larnick is struggling right now, but the Twins are counting on him being a big part of the next contending team as soon as next year. The guy that we really miss is uh, Alex Kiriloff because uh, talking with scouts who've been following the Twins pretty closely here over the last uh, week or so, Kiriloff's name just jumps off their lips uh, as the guy they would really love to get. And, of course, they can't have him because the Twins have five more years of control with him. But, you know, we have seen what he can do, and it's unfair to even look at what he did uh, after he injured his wrist because he really didn't have the pop and the power that he showed before the wrist got hurt. They finally decided, look, let's take care of it and, and get ready for next year. But, you know, he'll be in the mix next year. Larnick probably will be, too. Rooker maybe less so because I think he's more of a DH type. Uh, you know, we need to admit, you know, mention, since we've mentioned his departure, the very real possibility that Nelly Cruz could come back to the Twins as a free agent next year. So there are a lot of things out there. The Twins have a number of players left that still have one year left uh, on their contracts. Guys like Pineda. Simmons, Colome, Robles, all those guys, and they all might be moved yet later this week. <laughs> Who's going to trade for Colome? <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't well, mean, yeah, you know, a... you've got a veteran guy out there who's who's had success. It hasn't worked out here. I'm not suggesting you're going to get you know a whole lot for him, but teams might feel more comfortable with a veteran out there than some guy that started the year in double A. Sure. If uh, my last one for Dick today, if you're going, I know you're not a betting man, as you stated earlier, but uh, let's say you put a hundred Bremer burgers. I don't know if that's the official title of that burger. We talk about Dick, which makes, <laughs> makes the, me the Bremer seventh inning stretch or something the like Bramer, that. Yeah. Bremer seventh inning stretch burger uh, on the Chicago white Sox making a strong run in the postseason. Uh, would you put a hundred Bremer burgers on that, uh, on that run? I like the team because of the starting pitching. I'm surprised they haven't made a move yet. I think they will to fill in at second base. And Jonathan Scope, who's you know here with the Tigers now, would seem to be a perfect fit. You have that barrier sometimes that exists between teams in the same division working out a trade. But uh, I would think the White Sox, if they can fill second base with someone like Scope or Eduardo Escobar perhaps, uh, that team I think is positioned to do really, really well. Well, they might need a little more help in the bullpen. But, you know, as we found out in 87 and 91 in the playoff years since, you know, once you get to the playoffs, it's a, it's a tournament. Everybody starts from scratch, and a team can get hot like the Nationals did a couple years ago and, uh, you know, run the table. So it'll be interesting to see. But, yeah, I've, I've liked the White Sox all year long, mainly because they've got starting pitching they can throw at you that I don't think anybody else in the league can. I want to get back to Tampa Bay because it's easy for me to pull for them now because of Nelson Cruz, and that is a great fit for him, especially with the dogfight that always is the American League East. Yeah, and they just continue to make moves that just don't seem to make any sense. A couple months ago, they traded their starting shortstop to the Brewers. That transformed the Brewers, and the Rays didn't miss a beat. They picked up a 41-year-old designated hitter in Cruz, and then they traded Rich Hill, who was arguably their most reliable starting pitcher. So they're hard to figure out. They're very unpredictable, but all that really matters to them and all that really should matter to us is the fact that at the end of the day, at the end of the season, they're good. They're in the playoffs and, you know, don't discount that team either. They, they, they find a way to get it done with the smallest of budgets. And I think they're, you know, the, uh, 
you know, admiration. They have the admiration of everybody in baseball. And who we got going tonight, uh, Dick, for Minnesota? It'll be uh, last, uh, the guy who scored the winning run last night, <laughs> Kent Amaya. <laughs> the greatest two-way player we've ever seen for the Minnesota. <laughs> you know, and tw- Twins fans will remember this. It's not that uncommon. It's not uh, as rare as you might think. I remember Sparky Anderson in the 87 playoffs in game three, he inserted Jack Morris as a pinch runner. That's right. And Jack Morris ended up scoring on the Pat Sheridan home run, the only win uh, for the Tigers in that series. So every once in a while, if you've got an athlete on the bench, it makes sense, and it worked out for the Twins last night. Going up against uh, left-hander Tyler Alexander, as we like to say in this part of uh, the state of Minnesota, and not your Borup, but my Ada. Thank you. Ada Borup. Okay, all right. I got that. I do want to finish with that because it made me think of, you know, last year, and, you know, I guess we're in the bad anniversary. Hey, we finally had baseball back, you know, a year ago, which is hard to believe. But uh, with last year, you got to see all those old games, and you forget how good of an athlete, and you had the pleasure of working with him a couple weekends ago, Jim Cott was. I mean, that guy could hit, he could run, he could pitch. He was amazing. Yeah, I remember listening and watching games where he would be used as a pinch runner. Uh, it was a great hitter. Uh, so, and of course, all these things with the gold gloves that he won and all that uh, uh, has made him, in my mind, the best uh, baseball analyst ever. And and it was a joy to work with him. We'll get a chance to work with him again. Uh, the Twins are bringing him in for the uh, 91 reunion in a couple of weeks. And uh, just really enjoyed working with Jim and and, uh, you know, with the, the crew I get to work with now with, you know, Jim Cott and Roy Smalley, Glenn Perkins, Justin Morneau, Latroy Hawkins, uh, we've got all six decades of Twins baseball coverage. So, you know, how lucky am I to be able to work with such great former Twins? All right, Dick, thanks for your time as always. We'll do it again next Tuesday, guys. You bet. Have a great call tonight. Dick Bramer, the television voice of the Minnesota Twins. We do it each and every uh, Tuesday at 545. It'll be a little bit earlier next week here on the Mighty 790 and 104.7 KFGO. This is Couch Potato Radio, Twins Baseball on the way.